I'm Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, and welcome to our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. I'm delighted to have Doug Myers, senior scientist here at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, uh, join me today. Welcome, Doug. Hi, Will. Nice to be here. Great to have you. Doug uh, hasn't always been on the East Coast. Give us a little bit about your background and what brought you here, and tell us about that other coast. Well, I grew up here in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, um, knew lots of farmers in my family and knew the Bay issues fairly well. 1983, I graduated from high school, so I was right there at the first Bay Agreement. Uh, but it just happens my uh, career path took me a bunch of different places, Alaska, Texas, um, and then finally, the last 15 years before moving back here, I was in the Puget Sound region and working on uh, issues there. And what, what brought you to CBF? Well, interestingly, um, I, I considered the 30 years that I was out wandering uh, the uh, <laughs> different coasts of the United States. Uh, I was tracking progress or lack thereof within the Chesapeake and was quite intrigued that uh, after 2010 and the blueprint started that uh, it sounded like the region was starting to get serious about it and that Chesapeake Bay Foundation was behind that. Uh, so it really attracted me back here when we had the opportunity for my wife's job to move back to the East Coast. I jumped at the chance. You, you just you were just waiting until we got really close to having the base saved. You, you wanted to come here and take, take credit, credit for, for it, right? Yeah, yeah no, gotcha. Right. Okay, I, I, I know your type. All right. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the not indelicate topic of manure. Yes. And uh, too much waste, and maybe particularly focus on chicken houses. There's been a lot of discussion, a lot of publicity, um, a lot of controversy, and, and a, a lot of back and forth and finger pointing. Give us a little bit of a primer on uh, manure, the quantities, where it's coming from, its pluses and minuses, because they're, they're definitely pluses to manure. It's sure. A great and, soil supplement. Yeah, and this is, this is a bit of a complex topic. I'll try to break it down the best I can. Um, nitrogen and phosphorus and also potassium are all necessary plant nutrients for anything to grow. Um, and we have all those nutrients in our bodies because of the food we eat. Well, there are limited amounts of all of those things, especially phosphorus, uh, in the world. Most of the world's phosphorus supply comes from rock that's mined off the coast of Morocco, believe it or not. And the rest of it is very thinly distributed elsewhere in the world. So everywhere we grow crops, we need to bring phosphorus in. Um, as we have concentrated animal feeding operations, we have a source of phosphorus that can be recycled through the food system and allows us to use it um, here over and over again. Well, unfortunately, because of the ratio of nitrogen to phosphorus in most uh, animal manures, there's a little bit too much phosphorus compared to the nitrogen. So if you're managing your crop nutrients based on a nitrogen-based management cycle, you're gonna have way too much phosphorus in the soil. And over time, that begins to build up and becomes a, a water pollutant, especially as it saturates the soil and begins to leach. Uh, out into surface and groundwaters. And that's kind of what we're dealing with right now. Uh, the Eastern Shore, we have very sandy soils, high groundwater tables, and many, many decades of overuse of animal manures as fertilizer. So it's a good thing being done in excess, and now we have to change as we are uh, increasingly industrializing our food production system and have a lot more uh, agricultural manure uh, being managed in the same land base. So the old days of a farmer sort of having a closed circle 
on his or her farm with a certain amount of animals, chickens, hogs, cattle, and using that manure as a soil supplement, introducing organic matter to the soil, which is very good, keeping it rich, is, is almost a thing of the past because of the concentration of animals, whether they be chickens, turkeys, hogs, right. cattle, dairy, in, in, in close proximity, and probably done so by a very specific uh, uh, corporate, for a very specific corporate reason, to reduce transportation costs to the slaughterhouse. Right. This isn't green acres anymore. We're dealing with an industrial food production system, and there are economies of scale that uh, are realized when you concentrate uh, the same industry in a certain place. And the chicken industry happened to center itself in uh, the Delmarva Peninsula, both because of the availability of uh, row crops uh, for grain production for the food source, as well as a good transportation network to get those chickens out to market in Philadelphia, New York, uh, Baltimore, Washington. So it made sense for the industry to center itself there. Uh, but because of that, it's become increasingly industrialized and then now is not only serving the, the northeastern United States, but we're producing chickens that are exported throughout the world. All right. I've heard a lot of uh, big contract with Russians, for instance, in Asian company, Correct. countries. Correct. Uh, before, I want to ask you a little bit about what can be done with the phosphorus uh, in those areas which are highly saturated already in terms of the soil content. Uh, but just so we all understand it, uh, a farmer who's applying phosphorus for nitrogen is, um, and using manure to gain that benefit, is by definition over applying phosphorus. Right, just the ratio of nitrogen to phosphorus, almost 50-50 in, in chicken manure, and you really need about a five to one ratio, five parts nitrogen to one part uh, phosphorus. So you're going to always have an over uh, application of phosphorus if you're using manure. And that can be okay for a number of years until that phosphorus becomes saturated. Certain crops use much more phosphorus than others. For example, corn uses a lot of phosphorus. So if you were growing corn on corn and using some manure and some nitrogen fertilizer, you could keep your rotation going uh, without having a buildup. But we often do corn-soybean rotations. We're adding additional nitrogen and not having that ratio come out uh, the way it needs to for soil health and for the water. And of course, there's some benefits to that rotation, which you would lose if you did corn on corn. Exactly. On corn. So Delmarva Peninsula is a hot spot. There are parts of the Shenandoah Valley, which are hot spots. South Central Pennsylvania, again, a hot spot, although the Delmarva really is the, right. the, the king of chicken. Right. While you still have lots of animal agriculture in those other places, the soil characteristics and the proximity to surface waters is what makes the Delmarva Peninsula a little bit more of a hot spot for phosphorus. Uh, the other kind of weird thing is the way the bay circulates its water. Um, there's a net uh, transport of water from the ocean up the eastern shore and from the rivers down the western shore. And so any uh, phosphorus that does get into the bay from the eastern shore is going to stay in the bay for a much longer period. Now that's something I didn't know, so I'm learning here as well. Um, I've heard that in some of these hot spots that soils may have as much as a 15-year supply. That's correct. Of I phosphorus. Mean, and basically, you you can calculate that based on what crops you're growing and how much phosphorus they need, um, and then how available that phosphorus is for the crops. A lot of that could be a, a pH dependent. I, the soils on the eastern shore are kind of acidic, and so they actually the chemistry holds on to that phosphorus. 
Uh, if you would put lime onto the field, you could liberate some of that and, and liberate the phosphorus more quickly for your crops, but you would also possibly make it uh, more available to the water. So you have to manage the soil chemistry and the soil health very carefully in order to get the amount of phosphorus the crops need on any given year and not create a water quality problem. Okay, so here's the question. Uh, short of shutting down the poultry industry and moving it out, which is um, highly unlikely, I would imagine, <laughs> Uh, what can we do? Well, given that we did take advantage of those economies of scale uh, for producing the chickens, I think it's also economies of scale for managing the manure that's now at great quantities. And uh, Maryland has a phosphorus management Let tool. Let me stop yes, you there. Since, sure. since, since we've, we as a society have gotten an economic advantage right. from having concentrated the chickens. When I was young, having chicken was kind of something exciting. Mm -hmm. right. And now it's about as... <laughs> as uh, economical yes. as any yeah okay so right. since we've made an economic advantage from the concentration why don't we put some of that economic advantage toward a solution right it's it's like any other um, economic system that we've in, we've externalized the the pollution of that industry to the bay and so now if you're going to look at triple bottom lines as many folks are and trying to uh, prevent this concept of waste, you need to find ways to make that waste material uh, also profitable. And there's a number of new technologies coming aboard. Some of them are not that new, actually. Things like anaerobic digestion, where you can uh, receive uh, both uh, biogas, uh, which could be heat used for heat uh, for the uh, growing houses, as well as uh, generating electricity through generators, can be reused on the farm, lower the overall costs, and produce a, a digestate byproduct that could further be composted and sold as a nutrient um, outside the watershed where it does not have that, uh, that problem. So there are a number of technologies being developed and some pilot projects throughout the, the uh, watershed right now that uh, Chesapeake Bay Foundation's tracking as they're being developed and uh, seeing what uh, places they can be used and, and what scales are most appropriate to employ those technologies. I know that over the years, um, I, I tend to tilt at windmills from time to time, and I hear about some new whiz-bang technology. Mm -hmm. I go running upstairs and talk to you and your predecessors <laughs> and learn that sometimes these new technologies simply transfer the pollutant from one medium to another. Right. Uh, but anaerobic digestion is one that has some real promise. It's the most promising because, one, you're creating a, a useful product right there where uh, you're generating the, the waste. And we'll put waste in air quotes now because it's now a potential uh, uh, sellable product. You're getting some extracted uh, financial benefit out of it. And what is left over, that digested product, can be sold um, as uh, additional revenue for the farm. So this is, this is a, a new way of uh, thinking of managing the manure. If it cannot be used uh, on the farm, then it needs to be processed, get what out of it you can for bottom line purposes and sell the rest. One of the things, uh, the technologies that comes on the end of uh, anaerobic digestion are nutrient separator technologies using various acid-base reactions to be able to separate the phosphorus from the nitrogen. Nitrogen can be reused on the peninsula where there's um, still a need to do that for crop uh, nutrient management. And the phosphorus then is a much lighter weight product that can be shipped away uh, to fertilizer plants to be used in places that don't have phosphorus saturation. All the world that grows crops needs phosphorus. So this could be uh, an exporting region and new jobs could be created uh, all, all on uh, phosphorus export.
You mentioned it earlier, but again, to emphasize it, there is there are uh, folks who uh, foresee a worldwide phosphorus shortage. Right. Um, so they actually have to mine the phosphorus offshore uh, in Morocco. The other source is in South Florida, and there's all kinds of uh, reasons why the folks in Florida don't want uh, dynamiting uh, their backyards to get phosphorus rock uh, out. And so those um, uh, considerations are being talked about. I was uh, lucky enough to attend the Worldwide Phosphorus Symposium in Washington, D.C. with our new Secretary of Agriculture, uh, Joe Bartenfelder, and we were serving on a panel together with folks from Morocco and talking about this issue as a worldwide trend of recycling phosphorus and how that will change uh, the economy of the world. And Joe Bardenfelder is the new Secretary of Agriculture here in Maryland. Yes, very uh, interested in and this. And in other states, the Secretaries of Agriculture and Departments of Environment are also working on this as well. Yeah, and I think it is going to be a multi-state solution. I mean, Delmarva is Delmar Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia, and we have a growing uh, poultry industry in all three of those states. Um, the actual distances between those poultry houses is very small, uh, even though they're crossing state lines. And so there's opportunities to regionalize uh, manure treatment technologies, biogas digesters at, uh, uh, digesters at large scale, and uh, shipping the nutrient byproducts out to the Midwest or wherever they're needed on rail at very large scale, which could be a new uh, economy for the Eastern Shore. We want to talk a little bit about um, your... Um, optimism or lack thereof that a solution will be put in place. Mm -hmm. So far, we're talking about ideas, not uh, large-scale in-place uh, facilities. But um, l just last week, uh, a report came out uh, in Maryland as well, or might have been broader than Maryland, suggesting that it's time to seriously consider a uh, moratorium on new chicken houses under the realization that these solutions are going to take time to be implemented. Chesapeake Bay Foundation, CBF, came out uh, generally in support of that call. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, what, what the agriculture sector and every other sector that's uh, dealing with nutrient reductions is trying to do what they need to do by the 2025 deadline uh, to meet the, the Bay Blueprint. Uh, what they're not necessarily talking about in any sector is how do we stay below that, that cap of nutrient loads to the Bay uh, hereafter. So if you're looking at any growing source of, of uh, nitrogen or phosphorus pollution, whether it be chicken houses or stormwater or any other source, we need to figure out now, between now and 2025, how we would um, account for and offset those new loads. This is one of the best times to be able to do that when we're facing regulatory pressures to reduce the phosphorus load. And there are uh, pilot technologies out there to start thinking at scale, uh, thinking at uh, the entire Delmarva scale and looking at, okay, do we have the capacity currently to add the number of poultry houses that the industry wants to add without addressing and offsetting those loads. So I feel like the two are working together. The call for the moratorium kind of sets the stage for we're really at a critical point here and these technologies are available and they need to be explored and invested in. And uh, we're lacking that regulatory driver up until very recently with the passage of the phosphorus management uh, tool in Maryland that says you cannot put any additional phosphorus on your fields 
um, if they're already saturated. That's the first time that limitation has been part of the mix. And I think it's, it's the game changer as to making these technologies much more viable. And that regulation you just mentioned is now in place. It will be phased in over a number of years. But right. as of July 1st in Maryland, the worst, uh, th those fields that have the highest concentration of phosphorus uh, are under order to not apply any more manure. So that's that's at least a, a incremental good news. It's amazing news because we know that some there are many fields in that lower eastern shore area that are uh, above that threshold and will start to immediately cease uh, manure application on their fields. Uh, initially, the Department of Agriculture in Maryland intends to deal with that through manure storage and transport to areas that can take manure, but it's going to put a finer point on the need to develop these technologies and move them forward. One of the things I want to come back to at a later date is to explore a concept you just referenced, which is the concept of a cap. Mm -hmm. We're talking about manure here, but the cap on uh, the amount of nitrogen, phosphorus, and sediment w under the blueprint. The reductions simply are what we have to do to get down to a threshold. Right. But then never, ever go above that threshold. That's right. If we think it's going to be difficult to reduce pollution to the threshold, it's really going to be hard to keep it at that cap for 25, 30, 50, 100 years. But that's the, the bay will still only be able to handle right. that much pollution. That's all it'll ever be able to handle if we're going to stay below that threshold and, and erase the dead zone for, for good. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we're facing that in all sectors. It's a big challenge, and I think we're at a very interesting turning point uh, coming to that realization. I think the 2017 check-in is going to be a great time for us to assess our ability to do that. And uh, we're going to have to definitely accelerate our load reductions and find those offsets before we hit 2025. Can I ask you to come back sometime in the future and talk more about that? Would love to. Okay. Is there anything else I should have asked you, Doug, that I haven't? Anything else on well, this topic? Uh, I think there are lessons we can learn from uh, – other regions who have, have dealt with some of these technologies in Europe, they've uh, really adopted um, uh, anaerobic digestion. They're actually using it as a major source of power. Um, there's biogas um, uh, in comparisons with uh, greenhouse gas reductions that are really interesting to look at. We haven't really discovered that um, because we've, we've had this ample source of available uh, fossil fuels from uh, uh, natural gas, but the, the gas that's produced uh, by digestion is just as good to burn and is uh, carbon neutral. So uh, there's a lot to be explored in the greenhouse gas reduction space, as well as um, just better ways to do this, uh, better ways to uh, look at waste in general. Uh, when I worked in Washington State, they had a great program called Beyond Waste, where they looked at every different industrial practice that uh, the state gave permits for and looked for alternative ways to uh, put those waste products into uh, the economy in a more positive way. You know, I think one of the most discouraging aspects of this whole situation is the intransigence of some of the uh, forces on the other side that uh, nobody likes change but when you have the potential for one plus one to equal three yeah. to, to use the jargon to have a win-win-win situation and to see the amount of opposition to any kind of real 
effort to come up with a solution, it, it does get discouraging. And um, let's face it, that's why you need a Chesapeake Bay Foundation <laughs> to be fighting for the resource. So uh, Doug Myers, uh, scientist here at Chesapeake Bay Foundation, thank you very much. I'm Will Baker. Uh, this is our continuing podcast series. Uh, check in again in two weeks. Thank you very much. And also, please go to our website, cbf.org, for past podcasts and for a wealth of other information. Thanks very much.